When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 558 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I'm Jason Evans here for your listening pleasure today. We have a, uh, a big game last night against Michigan State. We're going to be talking about that. And uh, that's going to be like our primary focus for the entire episode. <laughs> I was about to like, I was thinking to myself, oh, I'll, I'll tease what's coming up later, like we often do. And then I went, wait a second, this is all we got. <laughs> Joining me as always is Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing this fine morning? Jason, you know me. I'm from Michigan. I love when we beat Michigan State. This is this is going to be a great show. Not just because we have great people on there, but because we beat Michigan State. It's a great day. Uh, yes, uh, no, no doubt about it. It was it was a pretty important game. I mean, this was this was not a small one for for the Blue Devils to beat Michigan State by the score of seventy four to sixty five. And as we've been doing a little bit lately with with us not having Sam on the podcast, we're bringing on other guests, other voices to help us when it comes time for us to talk about these important basketball games. And our our other guest, our other voice this time is Jeff Fidoten. Um, it is worth noting that Jeff is a writer for Forbes magazine, for Forbes.com, sorry, I should say. Uh, he's written multiple articles about Duke and college basketball. And most importantly, Jeff, you were at the game last night, right? Yeah, it was a real treat. And also, guys, a real treat being on this pod. I, I'm a regular listener, so this is this is a blast, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, we're we're thrilled that you've joined us. And uh, I, I'm gonna we're gonna start as we always do with our headlines. But before we get to the headlines, Jeff, I do want to get from you a little 
flavor of what it was like in the arena. Um, Sam did this for us just the other day. So having nothing to do with the specifics of the game, just what was it like, you know, what was the crowd like and uh, other observations from being at the game? Yeah, good representation from all the teams, you know, is all, um, for sure. For the Duke-Michigan State uh, game, clearly a more more Michigan State fans, uh, even though Duke was, again, well-represented. Uh, a lot of go green, go, go whatever. I'm sure Donald is familiar with with that, that no, cheer. No, you, you had it perfect. Go green, go whatever. Yeah. yeah go whatever. So complicated, right? And that just says so much. That, no, but, but, like, there was enough of a Duke, uh, group that there was a go Duke chant um, toward the end, so that that shows you there. I always think for these things, I try and I, I'm based in Chicago, so whenever the champ is a classic every four years or whatever comes through Chicago, I, I try and go. Um, it, I think usually Kentucky shows up the biggest. It's just such a passionate fan base. It's only like a five hour drive. I was talking to some of the Kentucky uh, riders there, so, but. Um, Kentucky, Kansas seemed a little bit more even. It's a little tough because all those teams, Duke included, wearing blue were Michigan right, State. Right, right, yeah. Uh, stands out. But it's really electric vibe, especially when it got toward the end of that Kansas-Kentucky game when it was tied with about two minutes to go. It was both fan bases on their feet. That was a little bit more electric than uh, the Duke-Michigan State just because that was the early game. Still kind of like a half empty arena, which then kind of uh, filled in. But you yeah, know, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. Do uh, just because I, I for some reason I've I've never made it to a Champions Classic over the years. Do uh, like do the Kansas and Kentucky? Do the fans of the second game like not bother to show up for the first game? Do the fans of the first game leave and not watch the second game? Is it like half empty the whole time, or is that you know are, it, are these college basketball fans who want to see these four great teams play a lot? Right. I, I think it's more that it starts out a little bit half empty, you know, maybe six o'clock is a little bit early, um, you know, yeah. after the work day. So unless you're uh, a hardcore Duke or Michigan State fan, it toward the end of the game, it, it definitely was more crowded. And then I, I think a lot of those Duke, Michigan State fans stayed throughout. Um, and Jason, you, you got to come next year. I think it's in Atlanta next year i was gonna so, say it's been in atlanta like three times J the fact that jason has not been to one is kind of kind of surprising to me i'm 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 a shameful individual what can i tell you if it's in atlanta <laughs> next year i'll definitely make it it's in atlanta next year so uh, i'll see i'll see you there jason i already, already, plans already planned this episode yeah uh i'm trying to think who, I, I guess we would have we, we should have kentucky next year so that's going to yes. be kentucky in the heart of sc because frankly atlanta is the heart of sec country uh, there'll probably be a huge Kentucky contingent showing up for that. We game. did this. We we played them in the old Georgia Dome. I think it was the last year we played in the old Georgia Dome. We played in 2012 or 2011, I guess, uh, with Nerlens Noel was the starting oh, center yeah. for Kentucky, and we beat them. And I remember outside there was like 80 buses. I mean, 80, eight zero buses that were all from Kentucky. And every last one of them were sad going back. And I remember it was the late game. And I was like, man, not only that, now you have a, like a six hour drive back home. Like, I know that's going to be a terrible bus ride, but I digress. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about the buses next year. Yeah. Okay. So guys, let's get to the headlines. Jeff, you don't, you don't have access to this. The DBR podcast at gmail.com inbox was exploding last night as it often does. You know, Donald, I just really quick. It, this head, this idea of oh, let's get headlines from the listeners. This was my idea about a year and a half, two years ago, and 
I don't know if you, I mean, early on, like we'd get maybe three to five, we'd sort of be scraping the bottom of the barrel. I just want to say to everybody, if we don't read your headline, it's not that we hate you. It's that we're literally getting like 30 plus headlines from each one of these games. And we go, we can't pick all of them. So I had, I, know you... I had 50, I had 50 emails in my inbox this morning, which is not necessarily uncommon, but it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not something that happens regularly. Um, but more than half of them were headlines or people just emailing us about the game. So thank you for all yeah. those people who wrote in. And we're very sorry if we don't get to your headlines. But Jason, if, if I may, I'll Hit present them, some of the Let's ones that I like. the same ones I did. I, I got okay, so I, like. I want to hear yours first. So I have a few. And then Jason, I also made one because I, I thought this was a game that required one. Um, Lee Maxson uh, wrote us and gave us a couple. But one that he had was Duke causes pity party for Sparty. We have alliteration. We have rhymes. It's all fantastic. You know, we love that here on the Duke Basketball Roundup. Eric Savage. And I have to say this in the style that he would want me to present today. Oh, my God. This is my favorite. Do it. It is Foster. so good. Foster. American for buckets. Um, <laughs> taking a play on the Fosters, Australian for beer. F Caleb Foster is American for buckets. David Gorett. Gorett or Goray. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Wrote Caleb Foster's Gutty Wind in Windy City. I like that one. Jarrett Strauss wrote a couple of them in. He's he's always one that writes in a headline or two. Foster and Flip lead fight as Duke rebounds against Michigan State. A lot of you out there saw the double entendre. That was the uh, the preview show uh, title that we had. So I appreciate all of you who recognized and appreciated that. Uh, Chris Bynum, uh, again, writes in a, a lot of headlines, wrote in a couple this time. And he had fresh Foster, let's fly and Blue Devil win. So those are my favorite, Jason. But I'll offer mine that I had, and that is Foster puts on visibility cloak to shoot Duke past Spartans. If you remember, Ken Palm. Ken Palm listed him as nearly invisible. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You know who was visible last night? Caleb, Allen, Bartholomew, Foster. The middle names, I might be getting mixed up, but Caleb <laughs> Foster was there to play last night. Uh, Donald, I'm surprised you didn't note it. Uh, a, a listener named Tina L. She did not give us her last name. Tina L. Sent a headline that was, quote, nearly invisible one, Ken Pomeroy zero. I was mm -hmm. I love that. She was on the same train. And then, dude, the one you missed. And if you are a fan of New Orleans food, then you will understand this one. Both Chuck Westmoreland and you mentioned Lee Maxson. Lee Maxson also sent us. Lee Maxson said bananas foster. And mm -hmm. Chuck Westmoreland said, Foster goes bananas in big win over Sparty. Bananas Foster is like one of my favorite desserts in the world. So there, was also, there was also a lot of plays on Foster's, the cafe in Durham. Um, we had a couple of those that, that were in there as well. So shout out Foster's. If you've never been to Foster's in Durham, North Carolina. It's a great place to have brunch. Definitely check it out. Uh, but yeah, Foster's, I'm sure, is getting a lot of business this morning. Thanks to Caleb. Okay, Jeff, unless you have a headline you wanted to give us from this game, do you got one, or or, or should we jump right into the good and the bad? Let, let's jump right in. I, I didn't come prepared with my own headline. Uh, quite, like I said, we, we got plenty from the listeners. I didn't, so, know, I didn't know there were specific homework assignments, or I would have been more uh, on top of it. So. <laughs> no, your your homework was attending the game, sir. So let's, let's start with the good. And, uh, you know, uh, host privilege, last game – we talked extensively about Kyle Filipowski, Jeremy Roach, and Jared McCain. Those were the three guys that Donald and I said were, were the good from the game. 
Um, I think maybe the only one of those that we're going to mention in the good this time is Kyle Filipowski uh, for his rebounding and, and some some really nice passing and, and you know, Flip once again was a team leader. But I have a feeling that when we begin the good that we're going to mention a few different names for the for this game. Uh, Jeff, get us started with, with the good. And um, I'm going to go ahead and direct you. Talk about Caleb Foster. Yeah, he's got to begin the good. Um, if you had three players, I think this time you'd go with uh, – Maybe, well, I mean, you always go with Flip, but Caleb Foster. Maybe go with four players. Caleb Foster, um, Ryan Young, uh, who had an equally good bounce-back game after so many struggles. Um, Mark Mitchell, um, uh, I, he also, so so good at the foul line. The Caleb Foster thing was really interesting. This is kind of, if there's any insider nuggets I was able to, uh, to glean, um, Shy led his press conference, was really talking about how hard he works and how he was the difference in the game. And, you know, if there was that elongated kind of, it was interesting to see after the game when Shire met with Izzo, that was a lot. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, that was like a long moment. Like it, it wasn't a quick pass by. Right. They and were talking. Yeah. They were talking. What they were talking about is Izzo said that like how impressed he was how he handled Foster. He's like, this is a guy who did absolutely nothing. Um, and the fact that he could get him bounced back, that's a testament. So I thought that was really cool that that's what they talked about. They, they do Izzo and Shire do have, we know that coach K and, and Izzo had a long relationship, uh, got to spend a lot of time with, um, Izzo, he's one of these like old school coaches, kind of kibitzes with the media after the press conference and like let's lose, let's lose, let's just air down. So I have some more nuggets for that. But again, that that shows you Foster's uh, the impact that he Izzo signaled about, talked to him for a long time right after the game about Foster. Yeah, I I also noted the the comments that John Shire made in his post game press conference. I wasn't at the post game press conference like you were, but I I was able to watch it on YouTube. And and yeah, for Shire, the, the thing that I know that Shire said about Caleb Foster was he said, you know, he was coming off a game on Friday where he he didn't like the way it went. And and that could not be more true. I mean, I, I talked extensively about how how poorly and how how unimpactful Caleb Foster was in that game against Arizona. And to turn around and have this kind of a game next, you know, his outside shot looks a little bit strange. Maybe it's just me. It looks like he. He brings it up from kind of a low angle as opposed to, you know, the best outside shooters are guys who tend to lift the ball from over their head. And it feels to me like Caleb Foster comes up from a slightly lower angle on it, but he has a really, really quick release. And, uh, it, it, you know, it was absolutely outstanding in this game. And I loved seeing a kid who had struggled as much as he did in his first high profile game against Arizona bounce back in this big a way. And I just want to point out, by the way, that, in the in the stats game, Donald, we had a stat for how many different players are going to lead Duke in scoring in a game. I said five, thinking the five starters would be the only guys to lead Duke in scoring this year. And Caleb Foster just led Duke in scoring. He is not a starter. I think that the person not who yet six, well, yeah, not, not yet exactly. Whoever picks six may be feeling pretty good about that prediction right now. But uh, yeah, through three games, we have two players who've led Duke in scoring in a game both uh, Kyle Filipowski and now Caleb Foster. Donald, give me a little more on Foster. 
uh, to be to be fair, Jason, when you said five, you mentioned that Mark Mitchell would not lead the team in scoring as part of your five. So you're right. So Caleb Foster, so Caleb Foster, still yes. in your wheelhouse. We're, we're still good. <laughs> Every, everyone's still on track, on, on pace uh, to do what they're supposed to be doing. Hey, I, I think the first thing is this, right? Either Caleb Foster listens to the show or he looks at Ken Palm because he saw he clearly saw the nearly invisible portion of Ken Palm and said, I can't be in that category anymore. I need to be contributing. And after the game, he was one of the guys that uh, was at the press conference. And, and Jeff, you could probably uh, speak a little bit more to this. But he said, quote, my mind was just ready when coach called my name before the game. My teammates and my coaches were just telling me to be ready. I felt like I work hard for this moment. It's a moment I've dreamed of. And so just coming in and being ready. And he and he also credited his dad for saying, stay steady in in allowing him to kind of focus. And and he said before the game, a lot of teammates came up to him and said, hey, it's your night. Go get it. So I, I think, you know, when Caleb Foster, when he was playing, the confidence felt like it kept improving throughout the night. Once that first one came in, it was like, man, okay, that was a weird shot, but it went in. But that was all he needed because after that, he came down. If you remember, he came down, he hit another three, and then he hit another like free throw jumper. And you could tell he was locked in at that moment. And after that, it felt like the floodgates opened for him. Jeff, from your position on the court, you know, at the game and or even on the court, like what did you see from Caleb Foster throughout the game that showed that, hey, this is probably going to be a good night for him? Right. I, I'm not sure if I necessarily gleaned anything from the court. You know, I was in the press box pretty high up, so you, you couldn't really tell maybe you know facial expressions and and things like that um but yeah uh so i was just going to mention the the next guy that i was really as much because it kind of segues the other guy who was really kind of maligned in that arizona game uh ryan young and i feel that sometimes people you know he doesn't look the most athletic he's got kind of a ymca game so like um a lot kinda, of times, <laughs> right. So I feel a lot of times fans rag on him. I think he's a really important part of this team, but he was terrible against Arizona. Just would not take that wide open shot, with just giving him nothing. He was great in this game. He uh, not only his uh, numbers of you know seven rebounds, um, eight points. Yeah, eight, eight points, points and seven. Look, if we get eight points and seven rebounds off of a guy off the bench, that's a big game. That's but, really impressive. Plus minus of twenty four. I mean that. Yes, he, he had some nice. He had some nice passes. You know, maybe this was a bit more of a Ryan Young game. You know, Michigan State, like he's back into Big Ten action. But good to know that. Um, you know that he's he's still a valuable part, and that's kind of the nice thing. It seems like they they do have some depth. You know, this this wasn't maybe a Sean Stewart uh, game. This this wasn't this is more of a Ryan Young game. This wasn't geez, I'm blanking on uh, Christian Reeves. This wasn't a Christian Reeves game, you know. Um, this was more of a Ryan Young game, and he he and Flip had some nice moments back and forth, kind of passes to to one another. They work they work so well together. I've yeah, yeah I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. I think the two of them work fabulously together, and and, and you know I, I just wanted to highlight what you mentioned about Ryan Young and the plus minus. And look, we say the caveat all the time, a one game plus minus is, you know, very deceptive at times, but for, for a dude, he was plus 24 in 23 minutes of action. That's ridiculous against a high quality opponent where it was a mostly fairly close game. Duke was basically dominant when Ryan Young was in the game and, and struggled a good bit when he was not in the game. And, 
yeah, the biggest thing is, you know, he took so much heat after that last game. I'm, I'm glad Ryan Young does not have a copy of our inbox because we were getting, Donald will tell you, we were getting tons of emails from people who were like, why is this guy playing at all? This guy does not belong on this team. We should be just struggling with Stewart and Reeves and, and seeing what they can give us because Ryan Young will never help us. And then lo and behold, very next game against another top tier opponent, Ryan Young goes out and, and shows he can draw fouls. He can battle underneath with big men and get rebounds, which was so, so important in this game. And and he has that great chemistry with with Flip. You know, it's like Ryan Young has played Michigan State before because he has. He's played him like three times. A lot. A lot yeah. He's, I think it was his fourth time playing Michigan State. Uh, you know, he played a few times, obviously, when he was at Northwestern. But it's clear that he understood the drill. He understood what Michigan State was all about. He understood the physicality that was going to be gone. And guys, consider the fact that Ryan Young was, was he the, I think he was the third guy off the bench in this game. Sean Stewart was the first one to check into the game. I believe Caleb Foster came in after that yeah. along with Ryan Young. So Ryan Young understood that, you know, like Jason, you said the inboxes were were flowing after that Arizona game. You know what they're saying this morning? Yo, Ryan Young's, you know, a guy who could be, who, who might be able to be a guy. I think again, the leadership aspect was there. The fact that I'm sure that he was a part of like, Hey, I know I did that against Arizona and I need to do better. And you could even see, with with the whole team, right? The way that he was able to calm everybody down. That again, that first layup that he had, where he kind of took the ball and you know did a couple spin moves and was able to lay it off the glass with confidence. It takes that for someone to be like, oh, I mean, that guy had the worst game ever last time. He barely. I mean, you couldn't even call it a cardio game last time. And he's coming out here and making plays against a really tough Michigan State team. Let's follow that example. Let's follow that lead. It's about again. This whole mantra of this whole program is next play. That was embodied last night, especially when you consider how Caleb Foster and Ryan Young particularly rebounded from their efforts against Arizona. So I wanted to mention two other guys that I think, um, you know, deserve being shattered out a little bit. Uh, Tyrese Proctor. Uh, we, uh, you know, we've been talking, Donald, about the 10, 5, and 5 game. Here's Tyrese Proctor. 13.6. I'm sorry? He got one. Yeah. 13 points, six assists, six rebounds, zero turnovers. Again, six assists and zero turnovers from Tyrese Proctor. Uh, this is his second game of the year where he's had zero turnovers. Pretty good from your point guard. He was part of a stellar passing game for Duke. We had 17 assists on 22 made baskets. Donald, I know assist rate is like one of your favorite stats. Duke had a 77% assist rate last night. That's a big, big number. And, and then I want to shout out. That's considering Jason in the first yeah. like eight minutes of the game, we weren't moving the ball <clears> well. It, yeah. it was very clear there was a pointed emphasis of, hey, if we move the ball around in this against this defense, and Sparty was playing great defense, I thought oh, they were. If if we if if we move the ball around on this defense, we're going to get open looks, and all we got to do is knock down baskets, and that's what they did. Yeah, and then like I was saying, the other person I wanted to shout out with Mark Mitchell, I thought he was very aggressive um, when we were struggling to score. He, he kept getting to the free throw line and kept knocking those down. His seven of seven free throws in the first half, by the way, he was nine of nine in the game, but seven of seven in the first half, that was absolutely essential for, for Duke to have that lead that we did at halftime. Um, he led us in scoring in the first half with nine points, and most of those points came from when oh. he was being aggressive and fighting for rebounds and getting fouled while fighting for rebounds. And Duke put out an amazing stat, I thought, when Mark Mitchell scores 10 or more points, Duke is now 16 and one in those games. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a big number that shows you how valuable 
Mark Mitchell is in other aspects because when he scores, that's the thing that sends Duke over the top. Jeff, give me anything on you got on Proctor or Mitchell. Yeah, and Mitchell for a while. I mean, free throws major difference in the game. Twenty four to thirty for Duke, seven or twelve for Michigan State. The, the game right right there is one. And for a while, he had that that strange stat line where I think he had seven point or seven points. And they were all from the free throw line. I think he had no field goal tabs, and they were all seven of seven from the line. So kind of a weird seven points on no shots. That's pretty yeah, exactly impressive. <laughs> efficient line. Because I'm going to segue for or digress, I should say, for one thing. I am. I feel that Ryan Young is one of the more d- divisive player, players for some reason. Maybe it's because he's not the most athletic guy and has that YMCA game. I'm a big Ryan Young fan. Uh, always have been. I, I went to Northwestern, so maybe that's that's part of it. Um, but I Midwest I, bias. You got some Midwest bias. For I him, definitely huh? have some Midwest <laughs> bias. Um, anyhow, the one thing I still can't get over. I know this is going back. We're moving forward. We're past this. But the inbound play, he doesn't seem like the best athlete. It shocked me if he had just an incredible arm and why he inbounds. The, at, at the end of the game, the game was basically already over, but Duke had a very small chance against Arizona. Why he's the guy inbounding, it doesn't look like he had a very strong or accurate arm. It like went out of balance. I put TJ Power back there. He's like he's like a major league quality pitcher. Why not? I don't know. I just yeah. didn't understand that. I know that's not what we're supposed to be talking about, but I've been fuming on it for days i needed to i needed to to, to bring this up <laughs> before going back you know jason i, I want to talk about the defense that we had a little bit and and it kind of is related to the number of free throws that were taken in this basketball game if you recall that you just mentioned you know mark mitchell going nine for nine from the free throw line we were 24 for 30 from this charity stripe 80 percent. love that Converse that with Michigan State, who was seven for 12 from the line. And they're a team that normally likes to get to the free throw line because, again, they're physical. They like to power inside or drive to the basket. And even if they're not making it, they're going to the free throw line. Our defense, I thought, was great last night because we forced Sparty into the one thing that they haven't been doing well, shooting a lot of jumpers. And now they made, you know, 300% more threes than they've made all season last night. They made six. But they forced a lot of bad shots. They weren't getting to the free throw line. We won the rebounding battle as a result because we were getting long rebounds. A lot of our guys, yep. you mentioned the 10, five, five game that Proctor had Mitchell almost had one flip almost had one. Like we almost, we almost fit. We almost ended the stats game for 10, five, five games in one game <laughs> because so many guys were realizing that rebounding against Michigan state is a team effort. You can't rely on just one or two guys to get all the rebounds against Michigan state. And when they're shooting a lot of long jumpers, twos and threes that means long rebounds and our guards stepped up and, and got a lot of rebounds we saw a lot of our guards step up and get some a couple of blocks like you know i think uh uh mark mitchell i think had one or and caleb foster had a couple you know those sort of plays hustle plays we had a lot of plays where like balls were on the ground and again that's a, that's that's something that michigan state they practice all summer is the is that drill where you roll the ball out and everybody goes on the floor to try and grab giant it right? scrum yeah the giant scrum we won all of those. It felt like, and those again are killers, not just for like the, you know, the momentum of the crowd, but Michigan state knows that's what they're normally the best at. And when they're losing those game, losing those battles, they're just like, Oh man, now we're losing the things that we do best 
that kills a team. And what they did is they forced jumpers. We were taking them. We were going the other way and we were, we were making our jumpers, which was great, but we were able to really hone in on the fact that if they're going to shoot jumpers terribly, let them keep shooting them and forcing them into doing that is what won us his ball game. Yeah, no, I thought Duke did an incredible job of forcing Michigan state into, into bad shots, into shots that they didn't want. Uh, I, I thought that our hedge and recovery, especially Ryan Young, well, look, we've talked so much about Ryan Young in this game. Ryan Young's hedge and recovery defense to me was outstanding in this game. He slowed down the Michigan State guards, uh, often trapping them, um, and was able to get back onto his man so that Michigan State very rarely got an easy bucket out of it. That is not easy to do. That takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of communication with your teammates. Uh, Mark Mitchell, I thought, did a great job of when when Young was hedging and recovering or when Flip was hedging and recovering. Mitchell was the guy who who would step back and say, OK, I'm going I'm to leave my man a little bit more open to make sure this other guy, this big man, doesn't get uh, an easy dunk out of this play. It, Duke's defense, to it, me, looked measuredly better in this game than it did against Arizona. And here's flipping a stat. Against Arizona, we had, what, at least two shot clock violations? Michigan State had, had three, at least two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan State had at least two in this game as well. We had the one where they where they made the basket, but it was it didn't go off the time. And then there was one where like they I mean, Michigan State didn't even barely got a look at the basket before time ran out. Those again, those quick those turnovers are winnable battles that even Michigan State was sitting there. You could see everyone dejected on the bench. There was a point where all of them jumped up and they're like, "Oh, we're about to do something." And then once the shot clock violation happened. I mean, the everyone in that gym, it felt like, at least on TV, wearing green, sat down. That's momentum killer. That's a momentum boost for our team, and we took that rolling. So uh, the last thing I wanted to mention uh, is about John Shire and his postgame press conference. And he said, I thought this was really interesting. He said, you know, we wanted this schedule. We played Arizona and Michigan State in two of our first three games, and it lets us see where we're at. And he said, I learned more about this team in the first three team, first three games than any team I've been with as an assistant coach or a head coach. And, you know, we had to respond quickly to what we learned against Arizona and put things in place against Michigan State. And he said, it says a lot about the character of the team that we took on this challenge. I, there's, there's no other team in the country that has already played two games as tough and significant as these two games. And yeah, obviously we were disappointed that we lost the first one. And I'm not here to tell you that Duke played perfectly or Duke fixed everything that was wrong against Arizona when we played Michigan State. But it's a big deal to play these games back to back. And and I'm really proud that the team was able to ratchet up a number of things and play better in this game than they did in the past game. And it sounds like John Shire was proud of them as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, wasn't all flowers. Wasn't all perfect. We're going to talk a little bit about the bad, and also we're going to tease the article that Jeff is working on for Forbes.com about a key player for this Duke University team. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings, 
increasing with the improving weather and more daylight. There's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back from the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about the bad things that happened in this game. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, because, man, I love this kid. I mean, I said that Jared McCain was in for a monster game. I might have been wrong about that. (laughs) Uh, We have to start our bad with Jared McCain. Um, Played just 16 minutes. Basically, Caleb Foster stole all his minutes in the second half. He played less than five minutes in the second half, and Caleb Foster played like 17 minutes in the second half. He, Foster was in there the entire second half. John Shire was like, oh, that's the hot – that guy's hot? He's staying in the game. Um, but for Jared McCain, I mean, like, look, dude goes 0 for 5 from the field, zero assists, zero points. I'm not saying his shots were bad. He, I, Every shot he took was a good shot. Like, he took wide-open threes. The, the pull-ups that he took in the lane were good shots. Just not a single one of them fell. And – uh You'd think that'd be frustrating. I do want to note that they've showed some shots of him on the bench at various times, and he was into the game. He was cheering his teammates on. There's no one happier about the game that Caleb Foster had than than Jared McCain. But, Jeff, I'll come to you first. You know, what did you see going on with Jared? What what happened to, to Mr. McCain? 
Yeah, it's funny. It's like he and McCain. It's like McCain and Foster flip roles for the for the last. Game. I know totally. I <laughs> know Foster was actually Foster was just more of a non-entity. He didn't like miss shot. You know, he was just kind of a he didn't do anything. Where McCain was kind of a, a, a negative. No, he was a zero plus minus, just zero for five from the field, zero for four from three, um, oh, zero assists. And I, I tell you what, this is so my plan because um, I write for Forbes. I mainly cover football, but if cool events like Champions Classic, McDonald's game roll through Chicago where I'm based, I, I always cover it because I, I really love college basketball. Um, and so my plan, uh, you know, Forbes doesn't really li- like gamers, but they like stories with kind of a, a financial angle, something about a brand. There's no one better than that write about than Jared McCain. So I'm like, he is my feature. He's who I'm going to write about, you know, with all his TikTok followers, all his NIL money coming in. This is a bad game to attend if, if Jared McCain is going to hopefully be your lead. There's <laughs> right. not much I can glean from it. Um, and then I felt they do, did not have an open locker room. They just have podiums. And I asked one question about kind of the, the Foster-McCain uh, partnership, but I couldn't really go, you know, what? what is Jared McCain like off the court or ask questions? That would be just kind of weird coming off a game when he was clearly right. uh, out of sync and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to be doing a, a call with him later on because I, I did maybe next month because there wasn't much to glean. But, yes, unfortunately, as, as bright a future as he has, he clearly was kind of in in that column of, of, of guys who who struggled against, uh, against the Spartans. Can I – offer a positive spin on this bad portion because we're talking about Jeremy Kane and yeah, he had a, he had a bad night offensively. I thought defensively, I thought he was pretty good. You know, when you look at his plus minus for all, all the, you know, things that he, it felt like he did wrong on offense. He was his plus minus was zero, which means he was very just, you know, straight, which means right. on defense, at least he was making up for it in ways that don't necessarily appear good on point. the stat sheet. So I, I, I like again, and like you said, Jason, when he was on the bench for most of the second half, he was still in it. He was ener- he was energetic. He wasn't sulking. As we've as we've said throughout the whole summer, the the thing about freshmen that is most important for people to remember is that freshmen are inconsistent. That is a, that is a tale as old as time, and yep. this is just the latest example of that. We had Caleb Foster, who you know again went from you know zero to hero, and Jared McCain, who was one of the better players against Arizona, was one of the you know players that we need to mention in the bad next time that's going to happen as freshmen the best thing about it is just like Caleb Foster said just stay steady stay ready and be even killed with it and contribute in other ways if you again if you know your shot's not going to fall and I didn't think Jeremy Kane's shots were bad there was one that was maybe rushed but the other ones were sweet smooth looking they just didn't go in and that's going to happen and when that happens, you need to be able to make it up in other ways. And and he was able to at least do that on the defensive end to make it where, you know, the net the net damage was zero, right? And, and he, was, he was able to at least give it to the point where his teammates can lift him up. And I think that's what happened here. Yeah, he took it, good shots. That's a good point, Donald. They were, it's not like they were bad shots. They just they weren't going at in fall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and somewhat a segue from that, uh, our entire first half offense, I thought, was was pretty mediocre. Um, look, Duke had 13 turnovers in this game, 10 of them in the first half. Three turnovers in the second half is great. 10 turnovers in the first half, not great. We had eight turnovers in the first 10 minutes. It, it You know, it's easy to sort of forget, but for the first 10 minutes of this game, it looked like Duke was going to struggle to get to like th- even 30 points. It was We had more was... turnovers than, than made baskets in the first oh. – 
I'm sorry, lot. we had more. Let, let me rephrase that. We had more turnovers than shot attempts in the first 15 possessions. Yeah, yeah. It was it was terrible. The offense was just ugly to watch at times. The, uh, the, was... Duke, the Duke Chronicle guys I was sitting next to, they're like, man, this is just like the Champions Classic last year against Kansas. Remember how ugly that was offensively? Yeah. It mm-hmm. felt like that about halfway through that first half. Yeah. I, you know, we ended up scoring only 31 points in that first half, just two of eight on three-pointers. Jalen Blakes, God love him. Jalen Blakes took a three-pointer. He was wide open on the corner. It hit the backboard before it hit the rim. He's lucky it hit rim. But it, it was, but it was generated bad. a foul. It generated a foul on the other team because uh the way because it was like a loose ball foul. And I'm I'm sure it was like, oh, that's that's someone was probably like, that's trash, and went up for it early, and then it hit the backboard, didn't hit the rim. But because of that, Ryan Young was able to get position and draw the foul. So hats off to Jalen Blakes. Uh it was it was not it was not pretty. I, I have a I have a text chain, a text chat with a, a bunch of my uh Duke classmates, class of 89. Shout out, class of 89. And uh, one of the guys in that text chain is a gentleman named Dave Sly. And he sent a text. Uh, he said the last play of the first half summed up the entire game thus far. Michigan State committed an t- ugly turnover at one end. Mark Mitchell raced the other way and dribbled the ball off his foot at the other end. It was just like it was dueling turnovers back and forth. Ugh. Just I man, I said the same thing to whoever the press box. I'm like, well, that's fitting end to the first half. That really right. kind of said it all. Yeah, right. Mark Mitchell dribbling the ball off. They said that on TV back. as well. Yeah, it's fitting fitting the both teams in with a turnover to end this half like it, it was i mean at halftime it was a start compare is the stark difference like even you know just on both sides of the basketball like again for for all the flaws that we had on offense michigan state had similar ones uh credit you know i think credit to both teams defense for really making it where halftime was really about adjustments and i think we adjusted well i think the one thing that we uh related to you know the slow start that we didn't do well uh, was often was allow you know Michigan State 13 offensive rebounds and again we've talked about rebounding we won the rebounding battle but lowering that offensive rebounding battle again just gives them more opportunities to score and there was a couple of times where we could have gotten the ball and you know gone the other way and it would have been the end of that possession but Michigan State was able to turn it into points and I know it, it felt in the second half like we were still kind of holding him at arm's length thanks to that run we made at the end of the first half but offensive rebounds are how you know, Michigan State went on a couple of runs in the second half to make the game a little bit tight. Uh, so we want to make sure, you know, as far as rebounding, I think that's going to be one of the points of emphasis all season long because of in games where we don't rebound well, we struggle. In games we in this not just this year, but in previous years, if we don't rebound well, we struggle. If we rebound well, we're we're winning. You know, hand over fist. So and it gets a good rebounding team. We won that battle, but of course there was going to be some opportunities for Michigan State to kind of catch up, and they did it through rebounding. Yeah, so something else I wanted to very quickly mention. Um, look, I love I love me Jeremy Roach, but this was not his best game. Uh, he was really aggressive against Arizona, hunting his shot, and he just seemed to ease back a good bit in this game. I don't know if maybe it was matchups. Maybe he saw um, Tyrese Proctor and especially Caleb Foster playing really well, so he sort of, you know, eased back a bit. But Jeremy Roach finishes this game with only seven points. It's his lowest scoring output since the Virginia Tech game in the middle of January last season, 19 games ago, lowest scoring output in 19 games for Jeremy Roach. So, you know, obviously, if if we're being honest, I got to put him in the bad. It, it, we've seen him be better than this. And then the last thing I wanted to mention from the bad, and then I'll let you guys have a final say on it. Um, I, you know, I'm 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 dismayed at the Duke bench. Um, 
you know, we we kept on hearing that this Duke team was going to go deep, you know, that we had 10, 11, maybe even 12 players who could all potentially contribute to the squad. And here we are. We really only played seven guys in this game. Um, Sean Stewart and Jalen Blakes combined, combined to play less than six total minutes. Uh, this is our second consecutive did not play for TJ Power. Christian Reeves also sat for this game. Um, you know, granted, we're getting, you know, at least in this game, we got some great play from Ryan Young and Caleb Foster. So our bench had nice oh. con contributions there. But, uh, you know, Duke being on a, a seven-man rotation at this point in the season is concerning. And I really wonder, you know, we've got three comparatively much, much easier games coming up over the next two weeks around Thanksgiving. And I'm wondering if that's going to be a chance for Shire to give some of these other guys in the bench a little bit of confidence and and give them a little run and let you know can see a little bit of what they what they can do. All right, Donald, and then Jeff to round up the bad. I, I think on the bench, I, I I'm you know me, I'm still in the jury, still out portion of the season when it comes to the bench because as you said, we we've had yeah, contributions. No, look, three games in, nothing's written in stone. Yes, nothing's written in stone, and also we've gotten co contributions from different players, right? You know, again, some of the players that were in the bad, you know four days ago are in the good, you know, this morning and vice versa. I think when it comes to, like you said, these games coming up, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for these guys to, again, express the fact, Hey, I want to be on this floor. I, I need to earn minutes. You mentioned Sean Stewart. Sean Stewart was the first guy on the floor off the bench. First guy on the floor off the bench. He played, you know, one of the fewest minutes of anybody on the team. So that sort of thing is one of when you're in there, you got to make a contribution after that, you got to, you know, other than that, he's going to go with the guys he's going to go with. But I will say this for the bench from the perspective of points, the bench, 26 points, Sparty's bench, 10 points. I, a lot of that was Caleb Foster because Caleb Foster came off the bench, but a lot of that was also Ryan Young's contributions. And again, Sean Stewart, when he was in the game, he came right off the bench. He got a rebound on one possession. The next possession, he got a block. And then I think he got a turnover on the other end. And that's when he was removed from the game. But it was at that point, that Ryan Young checked back in and did really well. So I don't think it's a, mem a a thing of Sean Stewart did anything really poorly. It was just that he left, you know, at the time that he was probably supposed to, Ryan Young came on and it felt like Ryan Young never left the game uh, except to like maybe sub in for flip or sub out for flip. So I, I, I'm okay with the bench right now. It's inconsistent as, as the rest of the team has been so far through the first three games, but we have a lot of season left to go. I'm willing to let that play out and, and see, how it develops over the next few games. You know, I, I'm with Donald that I'm not discouraged by uh, Sean Stewart, though he he didn't do much uh, stats-wise. Stats as Donald pointed out, he was the first guy off the bench. Um, they also, I'm really intrigued by this, that there's still, it shows that how John Shire's still tinkering with 235 left in the first half. They did roll out the lineup with uh, Stewart at the five, which is an intriguing one, which I think they're yeah. going to experiment with and see how that goes. I think it's more that Stewart should have clearly played more against Arizona. He gave him energy. He he was good to to uh, kind of to, to offset all that athleticism, all that athleticism Arizona has. This is more of a Ryan Young game, big, a big 10 opponent. I think there's going to be games where there's more of a Sean Stewart game, more of a Ryan Young game. So I'm encouraged by that. You know, Izzo was very interesting in his post-game comments. He said that, you know, he was encouraged by how Michigan State played against the superstars of Duke. You know, they 
Filipowski had a good game, but not a dominant game of 15 right. he, he was good. You know, uh, Proctor had, you know, six assists, zero turnovers, really impressive, but, you know, didn't, didn't kill him. And certainly he then mentioned Roach. Interesting that for Roach, he 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 uh, singled him out. He, he's seen Roach a lot, played against him several times. He said, "I love Jeremy Roach's game." Really interesting to hear that. The fact that he singled that out and said that because honestly, sometimes as a Duke fan, hey, he's the captain. I like the guy. Sometimes I find his game a little frustrating. He's a little bit of a ball stopper, a little bit. But so is interesting. Wait, to, wait, a, a little bit, a little bit. A <laughs> he's lot a lot of, of a ball stopper. stopper. But wait, wait, really quick, Jeff, and then finish your point. Don't forget, arguably the best game of Jeremy Roach's career, certainly the most important game of Jeremy Roach's career, was his sophomore year against Michigan State. Was it the Sweet 16 or the final? It was Sweet 16 or Final 8? Sweet 16, I think. It was a huge game. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, actually, I think it was round of 32. It was round of 32. Round of 32, excuse me. Round of 32 to get to the Sweet 16. I'm remembering now, yeah. uh, but, But in any event, um. That was his best game of his career. So Tom Izzo knows Jeremy. Roach. He remembers that. Yeah, he, he absolutely remembers that. But yeah, and I'm sure that's a big reason why he singled him out. But that's that's cool that that he has that that memory and that appreciation of him. It obviously means a lot coming from one of the coaching greats. Yeah. Okay. So guys, as we wrap things up here, uh, because I think we're all done with the bad. Um, let's get to our play of the game. Uh, Jeff, I'll come to you first. What what did you have in mind? What, what was your top play? Yeah, I'm going to go with just, this is not the exciting play, but I thought it was just like very important for momentum of the game. And when this happened, I was like, all right, Duke's got this. Um, with tw- about 12.53 in the second half, uh, Flip drew a foul on Malik Hall with a with the charge. Who had, at that point, he was like their whole offense. Um, yeah, Hall had a Walker, great game for them. Yeah. He had a great game. Walker would be essentially sensational late but it was really and then on the immediate he goes on the offense and draws a foul right on hall the very next so he he knocked him out of the game right there the fact that he could do that on defense and then come to offense that's not the sexy dunk it's not the sexy assist but like that was what savvy by Filipowski to know his foul situation and just that that was a winning play that's going to go under the radar I, I'll I'll tell you right now, it's probably not everyone's favorite play, but it was definitely mine. About 50 seconds left in the game. We're coming in off of a timeout. We inbound the ball under the basket to Jeremy Roach on the wing. Jeremy Roach absolutely breaks some dude's ankles, knees, femur, everything. Dude falls down. Jeremy hits I, the shot right in front of the bench and basically just goes night, night. That was, oh my goodness. There was a lot of plays th- throughout this game that was like, you know, pivotal and helping us get that lead. But that made that made everybody go, well, that's the ball game. I'm gonna head out. Like that's where all the watch parties ended. They probably changed the channel, turn <laughs> turn off, turn on the lights, said it's closing time. Cause when that happened, everyone again, the everyone in blue stood up on TV. It looked like on TV, and everyone in green was just like, Oh no, that not 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 my boy. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Donald, to your point, that's a great one. I had already gone down to the, the press area at that point because the game was kind of in hand. I wanted to make sure I got mm-hmm. to see, but they had the games. People were watching the game. There was like, it was like, oh, ah, you they were like, yeah, audible. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, Michigan a, State's a within six. They they have a chance yeah. to like come back. Nope, never right. mind. No, nope. Jeremy Roach has ended that. Right. That was that was the reaction there for understandably. So, uh, listener Michael Slaughter wrote to us with a player of the game that I'm going to steal. <laughs> and go ahead and, and take as well, because it, it was a play that really stood out to me. 
And it's not a play where anyone scores any points. With about 13 minutes left in the game, Kyle Filipowski tipped the ball away on a steal attempt and dove into the stands in an effort to try and save it. He failed to save it. It, it, it you know, got knocked out of bounds. But here's our best player, all, our All-American. Uh, at the time, Duke was leading by about 11 points. And he's 35 feet away from the basket. And frankly, I remember thinking to myself, it's a good thing he didn't save it, because if he saved it, it's almost certainly going to admit the only people around him are Michigan State players. And, and if he saved it, they would have had a five on four. <laughs> but the effort that he put in on that play, just, you know, like, here's a ball out there loose, and I've got to go get it. It stuck out to me because I remember in the Arizona game again and again and again, Arizona got all the loose balls. All the 50-50 balls went their way. And look, when when great teams are playing, if the 50-50 balls go your way, you tend to win. <laughs> and we saw against Arizona, Duke lost when Arizona got them. And this game, when Duke went after them and got them, we beat Michigan State. But I just thought that play by by Flip, both both the skill of knocking the ball away and disrupting the Michigan State offense, and then the effort of diving into the stands, attempting to save it. It just, to me, was notable of of the entire attitude that Duke brought to this game, and that's the attitude that we need to have to win. It's crazy that all of our plays of the game, none of us mentioned Caleb Foster, right. for our, which is the play of the game. And, you know, what that one more Caleb Foster note that I, I want to make, he was also – bringing the ball up a lot and initiating the offense, not, not just these great plays, which is, is something cool too. And China even mentioned that he's like, you know, Tyrese Proctor, it's a lot on him. That's a lot of work. It's exhausting mentally and physically. The fact that, um, so that's another thing Caleb brings. Uh, one thing to look for is a random stat over the next couple of games. Ryan Young is 16 points shy of becoming, I think the 69th, Duke player to reach a thousand points. I know he didn't get all of his points at Duke and he's, right. you know, it's, he's been in college for 19 years, but a <laughs> thousand points is a thousand points. So hopefully he can Something. break that mark in the next couple of games. Uh, all right. So uh, Je- sorry, Jeff, did you have anything else from the arena? Uh, you you said uh, there were a number of, th- these are high profile games. So there were a number of high profile alumni in attendance, weren't there? Yeah, the was, building? yeah totally. Uh, Magic Johnson was there. I think he was featured on ESPN. Mm-hmm. He got really pumped at some of the Tyson Walker plays. He's I've seen him there at the Champions uh, Classic. Um, also, some Duke guys, Lou Aldang, the former Bull, was in attendance. Uh, Mike, Dunle- Mike Dunleavy was there. He obviously makes sense for him to be there now, GM of the Warriors. Good game to get some uh, scouting. I'm sure a lot of these guys, not only Duke and Michigan State, but Kansas, Kentucky, will be be there yeah some interesting nuggets and i'll have to share some of my uh iso stories at some point because he was really interesting to talk to donald i was also curious i'll, I'll send you guys this video you are you're obviously a michigander you know how things go there so sparty was a little aggressive i was taking some video of like players going in the tunnel it's good for social media it's good to have and he kind of went up to me and shoved my camera like is that like is he no is this is this abnormal? Is Sparty knowing knowing for getting a little handsy? Sparty, Sparty players, Sparty fans, they're they, you know they're very aggressive. They they like to let you know that they're in the building. And and I think the thing about the Spart you know the Sparty program in general, right under Tom Izzo, has been about they're a physical bunch. They're a physical team, and I don't mean that in the uh in the dirty way. That they, they play well, they play physical, they they want to be in your face. And when it's time for them to lock in, they want to lock in and they kind of, you know, literally and figuratively 
push everything else out and focus on just the game. So it, it it's it's not the it's not something that they do out of disrespect. It's more of hey, this is my time. I'm trying to focus on on, on what I need to do. Uh, but having said that, you know, I you know Michigan State. They like to be physical off the court. They like to bully. They try and bully you into making the wrong play. This is why every day, every time we play them, we're 16 and four against them. I think since this whole series has started, I'm very glad every morning when we wake up after beating Sparty, because they're also a chirpy bunch (laughs) and I didn't want to hear their talk this morning. I I texted you guys the video of being accosted by (laughs) Sparty, but yeah, I Uh, think the exact number is now three and 14 and they were Shire and Izzo were both asked about that. You know, Shire noted, uh, you know, a lot of that's in the past It's coach K's and that he like, um, you know, he noted one of the toughest games that he's ever lost. This might be one of my most heartbreaking losses was of course the Zion RJ elite eight loss to Michigan state. So they, mm-hmm. won that one. When yeah. Izzo was asked about it. Um, he really pontificated had a very long meandering answer, uh, but ultimately said, you know, uh, it goes back to Duke very, uh, being very good. And he's like, it, it rests on me. After the game, when he he's a guy who like misses with the reporters, talks, he, he goes, I hate that. We probably can't use this language. I hate that effing question that he comes. He's like, I just play Duke a lot. So it's interesting that that uh, really got to him. The other nugget he said, you know, he texted uh, Coach K a few days before the game said how much he misses him. Um, they, they still have. We knew they had a strong relationship, and they they still do. He said he talked to him after the game game in a couple days, and they're still back and forth. And it sounds like he's building one with Shire. He noted that he had recruited Shire. He, he had that long talk after the game, so that was uh, kind of interesting. And then I have one more final note that I was really curious. I I thought this Michigan State team was going to be had a great chance at winning a national title, not only Izzo, uh, but I looked at this team, they have a lot of returners and they had a great recruiting class, including Xavier Booker, guy Duke went after. Yeah. I'm like, Mm -hmm. he he barely played, didn't do anything. And after the game, this, I guess, sums it up. Izzo goes just to this small group of uh, reporters. He goes, I love Xavier, but man, my wife could post him up. So I guess that explains why he's not not getting more more run there. <laughs> uh, look, I think that's part of the you know the kind of rivalry that has developed between Duke and Michigan State. It's about you know games we're we're, we're competing in games on the court. We're competing for Final Fours and national championships. We're competing on the recruiting trail, like you mentioned. We've had a lot of guys that we have stolen from them. We've had a lot of guys that you know team that teams have gone after that both of us are, are in the mix for. So I don't think that's going to uh, change now that you know, it's John Shire and Tom Izzo. And, I, you know, Tom Izzo and, and Coach K, I think they, you know, have worked together on the V Foundation, other other aspects, coaches versus cancer, things like that. And that's always going to happen. But I think the bond that Izzo and Shire have clearly is also special in a different way. Um, and so you'll see this, uh, you'll see this continue. Look, the Champions Classic, I was mentioning to my best friend last night, the Champions Classic has been going on what's like 15 years at this point 13 years at this point and it still feels every bit the final four type of event than it did back then and i think that is a testament to not just our program but also the other three that are involved in this and in the fact that every single year no matter if you know we've had we've played michigan state teams that are unranked and still people like yo duke michigan state that's a big game tune in and people do so i think it's a testament to the programs that 
this event is such a big spectacle and a big event as it is because of the fact that these programs are so great. And also what's cool about this now, when you look at the history of the Champions Classic, all Coach K games, pretty much, so maybe it's a different thing. You look at the history, I was looking at this. Every time Duke wins, they've gone to at least the Elite Eight, I think. The years that they've lost have been kind of like the Jabari Parker year. It's it's, uh, the Rivers year where they, they got knocked out early. So could could be a nice, you know, this could be a nice omen. It, it's really interesting. If you look at it, every time they've had, they've won, they've had a really good year. The The last time they won, you know, they went to the Final Four. So um, fingers crossed. Jeff, I love that. That's a that's a great way to to close it out here on on episode five five eight of the DBR podcast. Jeff Fedoten of Forbes.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate having you on, man. We'll have you back some other time in the future. Guys, this is such a blast, man. I'm a big fan of of uh of your show. And it's so cool to now see your faces as part of that, too. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right. So for Donald Wine, I am Jason Evans. Thanks for joining us, everybody. By the way, reminder, send those emails, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Also, check out Home Field Apparel. They just dropped a brand new Duke bomber jacket that is just really, really cool. If you use the, the code DBR Podcast, you get to save 15%, and it puts a penny or two, not much more than a penny or two, in Donald in my pocket as well. <laughs> We're transparent about that kind of thing. You know, hey. Trying to make some money off of this, just a little tiny bit of scratch. If five under, if five hundred of you buy the jacket, then Jason and I might be able to buy one quarter of the jacket. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> All right, five five eight in the books. Only thing left to do now is to listen as the Duke Band plays us out and takes us home. And then I just wanted to, I'm, I'm just going to mention that it seems like the bench is already only seven players deep. <laughs> it's all, all preseason, we're like, 10 guys, 10 guys, going to play 11 guys, 12 guys. Every year, every seven. year. Right? It's like seven. Seven. <laughs>